0: Good morning! Welcome to Honey in the Rock, your daily dose of inspiration and encouragement. We we'll look forward to having you on the show. This morning's episode is titled, Great Things Doeth He Which We Cannot Comprehend. It shall be focused on a study of Job chapter 37. Before we go any further, we'll begin with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And as we learn here about your greatness, Lord, who is like unto thee, O Lord, among the gods? And Father, we come before thee saying, Lord, as you taught us, saying, your words, your ways are higher than ours. So, Father, we submit ourselves to your will, for you are Alpha and Omega, you know, the beginning from the end. And Father, you, knew, you said you know our desires even before we mentioned them in prayer. So we thank thee for your love and for your care. In the name of thy Son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Up next, we shall listen to Job chapter 37.
1: Chapter 37 At this also my heart trembleth and is moved out of his place. Hear attentively the noise of his voice and the sound that goeth out of his mouth. He directeth it under the whole heaven, and his lightning unto the ends of the earth. After it a voice roareth. He thundereth with the voice of his excellency, and he will not stay them when his voice is heard. God thundereth marvelously with his voice. Great things doeth he, which we cannot comprehend. For he saith to the snow, Be thou on the earth. Likewise to the small rain, and to the great rain of his strength, he sealeth up the hand of every man, that all men may know his work. Then the beasts go into dens, and remain in their places. Out of the south cometh a whirlwind, and cold out of the north. By the breath of God frost is given, and the breath of the waters is straightened. Also by watering he wearieth the thick cloud, he scattereth his bright cloud, and it is turned round about by his counsels, that they may do whatsoever he commandeth them upon the face of the world in the earth. He causeth it to come, whether for correction or for his land or for mercy. Hearken unto this, O Job. Stand still and consider the wondrous works of God. Dost thou know when God disposed them and caused the light of his cloud to shine? Dost thou know the balancings of the clouds, the wondrous works of him which is perfect in knowledge, how thy garments are warm when he quieteth the earth by the south wind? Hast thou with him spread out the sky which is strong and as a molten looking glass? Teach us what we shall say unto him, for we cannot order our speech By reason of darkness, shall it be told him that I speak? If a man speak, surely he shall be swallowed up. And now men see not the bright light, which is in the clouds, but the wind passeth and cleanseth them. Fair weather cometh out of the north, with God is terrible majesty. Touching the Almighty, we cannot find him out. He is excellent in power and in judgment and in plenty of justice. He will not afflict Men do therefore fear him. He respecteth not any that are wise of heart.
0: Up next, we shall listen to a sermon titled, Show Us the Father and It Will Suffice Us. This is preached by Reverend William Branham in 1962 on July the 22nd. We'll begin at paragraph 22 Up to paragraph 49, I trust you find it to be a blessing.
2: Now that's been the cry of the human heart through all ages is to see God. Job of old cried out, If I only in his distress, if I only knew where he lived, if I could go knock on his door and speak to him. Every man has wanted to know God and to see God. Job wanted to see him. Moses wanted to know who that was in the burning bush. And Then he said, show me your glory. He wanted to see some manifestation to know that it was God. And all of us do that. We all long to see something that's real, some, something to prove that God is. And it's to my humble way of thinking that it pleases the Father to show Himself, to manifest Himself. He loves His children. How I like to tell my children uh, something and make a requirement, and then see those children live right up to that, and I can show them something good. How I tell my little boy, Joseph, if you'll just be a good boy now, and, and mind Mother, you know, Saturday, when I get back, I'm going to take you fishing. And to see that little boy, his mother say, he was just as obedient, Bill, as he could be this week. I'm happy to go show that little boy, take him fishing. I like to show him that I want to be kind to him because he's part of me. I want, I want him to be uh, like I want to be a Christian. And I love to manifest what I want him to be through myself. And God wants to manifest himself to his children. But he asked one requirement is all, if thou will believe. That's all he asked. Gives his word and asks if you will believe it. Now, I'm going to speak. Now, yet wasn't it strange here that Philip, that great warrior who had seen those great mighty works of Christ, went and got Nathaniel and brought him up there to the place and saw the manifestation of the scriptural proof that he was the Messiah. And then he said, now you show us the father and it'll satisfy. Now, did you notice the next verse, the ninth verse said, I have been so long with you, Philip, and you know me not. How I think that would be for us this afternoon, that God in his mercy has manifested himself so many times to us, and yet we don't recognize it. Now, I'm going to speak on four ways to see God. Now a lot of people try to place him way off as a historical affair, but let's just look at God in four ways. And I think that if God can be shown positive without one shadow of doubt, that God in four different ways is standing right here this afternoon that ought to be convincing, aren't you? Four ways of seeing God. I'm going to speak of God in his universe, God in his word, God in his son, and God in his people. And now I, I could take a dozen more, but those four things I want to rest upon for the next 30 minutes, God willing. Let's take first now, God in his universe. Who made the universe? We're told that it stands in space. How can it revolve around so perfect, more perfect than any instrument? I'm wearing a $300 watch that was given to me by Dr. Guckenbuehl in Switzerland. He gave it to me because it's got an alarm for interviews and so forth. And it's uh, the Balkan cricket, one of the best that Swiss makes. But yet, it'll lose time, gain time. It isn't perfect. Anything that man makes is imperfect. But all that God does is perfect. See? Notice how He can make that world turn just around the sun every exact gain in so much year after year, day after day, moving around the equator, moving it around its orbit, and everything to make those stars and things so they can predict the eclipse of the moon 20 years away to the minute. So perfect. And what's holding it up? Which is up and down. How do we know? Them on the South Pole to us is looking that way, saying it's up. And we on the North Pole looking this way, and that's down to South Pole. Which is right. How perfect it, folks. Spin anything in the air and see if it'll stand there. Two revolutions without moving out of its orbit. But God perfectly holds the whole universe in his control. We believe that. That God does that. No other power, nothing else could do it but God. God alone. And did you ever go out here at the sea? Watch that big angry sea. Those big white waves dashing in there, angry. You know, almost four-fifths of the earth is covered in water. And one time it covered the whole earth over. How it would like to get a pass there if it could. But you notice, it'll just come so far. Why? God's got a watchdog watching it. That's the moon. The moon controls. God set it there to control the sea. If that moon would ever move a few uh, inches out of its orbit, the whole world would be covered with water just in a moment. Watch when he turns his head to see what the other side of the earth is in the evening, when, or the mornings and so forth, how the tide goes out. And here it comes in angrily again. But the watchdog there says, that's your boundaries. Stay right there. And yet there's enough water out there with the curvature of the earth to wash the whole thing around. But God has a control. Amen. Oh, how great thou art. How great thou art. How he does it. How he, uh, it's beyond our means. How we could spend hours on that. Let's drop down to something else. Let's watch the flowers. How they live, die, raise again. How that you could take your grass in the wintertime and pour a slab of concrete across it. Where is the most grass the next summer? Right around the edge of the wall. Why is it? It's that life. It's you hid under that concrete. But when that botany controller sun, S-U-N, begins to shine, you can't hide that life. It'll come right out and weave its way out and stick its head right up to the glory of God. Is that Right. You can't hide life. No matter, you can bury in the sea. You can, wherever you are, you're going to answer anyhow. When the S-O-N comes, the Son of God, all eternal life is going to rise with him. Because he has eternal life and gives it to those who he will. And now notice how God lives in the flower. How he lives in the leaves on the tree. How they'll drop off. Go down the sap well into the root. Some intelligence controlling it. Going down in the root to hide through the winter. Come back again in the spring. Bringing forth fruit and so forth. How does it do it? Beyond my knowing. What has got to be an intelligence somewhere that controls it? It can't do it itself. There's nothing to say to that peach tree out there, that pear tree. Say, it's coming on wintertime, round right about the middle of August. All you leaves, get off of there right quick. Life jump down in the roots and hide. If you don't, you'll die. It don't know what to do It itself. It's some intelligent controls it. The highest intelligence that there is, God. Well, if God can tell a leaf, the life of that leaf, to leave it and go down there and stay, or a life to come out of the upper part of the tree and go into the roots, can He reveal the secrets of the hearts of the people to His servants? the intelligence of God or the whole thing's made up of intelligence. God is the super intelligence. Look at the ducks, the the animals, how they're all controlled by God. Recently, my son and I were in Bombay to a meeting. When we got there, I was reading a newspaper. It's a bilingual country. And so it had it in English and said, I guess the earthquakes are over a few days before that. You know, India is not like our country. We have fine woven fences. They pick up rocks and make their fences. And they build their towers and so forth. It's very hot. Close to the, the zones there, you know, and the equator. So the, the sheep and the cattle in the afternoon come and stand around these walls. And they get in the, the shade. And the little birds build their nest in the walls. And one day something happened. All the little birds took off. No one know why got away from them walls, went out, didn't know where they went, set in the trees somewhere. They wouldn't come back to their nest. And the cattle wouldn't come in. Everyone said, what's the matter? Them cattle, them sheep, standing out there, leaning against one another, in that hot sun, way out in the middle of the field. They wouldn't come in. They wondered why. And the next day, it did the same thing. And the third day, they did the same thing. Then an earthquake shook the place into pieces. The walls fell. The cattle and sheep had been standing there that had died. The little birds had been crushed. The next day, nothing happened. And then on the fifth day, then the little birds and things began to come back again. The earthquake was over. Yeah. Don't you see? It's the same God that could lead them into the ark in the days of Noah. Is the same God who can take them away from danger. Well, if God, by the instinct... He gives to a bird to know to flee away from fallen walls. How much more ought we to flee away from these big, high, ecclesiastical walls that's bound to crush by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. Get away! Go to God quickly! Don't put your name on a book. Get born again. Fill with the Holy Ghost. God in nature. God give that little bird nature. He believes in it. He, he trusts it. Here not long ago, I was up in Canada, and there was them ducks up there, up there on the pond. How they milling around on the pond? They'll be there now in about, Lord willing, in about another month, I take a hunting trip there. That little ducks come out of the south, way down in Louisiana and Alabama, Texas, the rice fields. And they fly all the way into Canada, and they have their little ducklings up there on those marshes, swamps, or, or lakes. Now, here's a little drake. He was born right down that lake, born that spring. He's never been off of that pond. That's all he knows, born right there. But one night, there'll come a, a white cap across the mountain up there. There'll be snow strike that mountain. That cold breeze will sweep down through the valley. That little drake will get right out there in the middle of that pond, stick that little honker up in the air and honk four or five times and every duck on the pond will come right to him. Why? He'll raise right off of that pond and go without a compass or anything else just as straight to Texas as he can go to the rice field. If he stays any longer, it'll freeze over. They'll die. He's never been off of there. How does he know where to go? He trusts in the God-given instinct. And if a duck has got sense enough to get away from danger and coldness, how much ought the church, by the power of the Holy Ghost and the resurrection of Christ, to get away from a dying creed? See what I mean? Instinct. One time I was plowing, Papa and I, the horses kept snorting, and I said, Pop! What's the matter? Is there a coyote back there?" He said, No, son, it's coming a storm. I said, A storm? I was on an old riding cultivator. Many of you know what they are. He said, A storm? I said, was not a cloud, nowhere." He said, Stop! Never will forget the old fellow. Pulled out his red handkerchief and wiped the perspiration from his brow. He said, Billy, you got a lot to learn, son. He said, You see, The Almighty has given that horse an instinct so he can go to safety. He said, There's a storm coming somewhere and they can smell that storm. I thought, "Daddy." I said, all right. And I hadn't plowed two more rounds so we could hardly get the, the horses out quick enough. Lightning thundering and everything. And here was a storm. They caught it before it got there. And if God can give a horse, talk about horse sense, can give a horse instinct and intelligence enough to know how to protect itself. From danger, how much more ought we by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost to plea and safety when we see a time like this arriving? Yes, show us the Father. It will suffice us. Oh my, how I could dwell on that. You take an old sow hog and she's got her shucks over on the north side of the hill. And you read the commentator, uh, news commentator on the radio or in the paper, says, Tomorrow it's going to be a fair, pretty day. And that old south takes them shucks off that north side of the hill, around to the south side of the hill. You watch, she knows more about it than all the newspapers and commentaries in the world. You watch it turn cold. You watch when you go to hunt rabbits and see them getting way back under the brush piles and things like that, and getting a hiding place and setting back in the holes, and the commentator says, it's going to be fair weather. Don't you believe that? That rabbit knows more about it than all of them God's put together. He's trusting a God-given instinct. It's God making a way for his creation. And how much higher is the creation of a man than a creation of a beast? How much more is the Holy Ghost to the church? An instinct would be to a duck or a horse or anything. I could take two hours on it. One more thing I'd like to strike. That's where I first found God. That was my first Bible to see there had to be something to do these things. God is in His universe. How I love sunsets. Stand, and watch the sunset and cry. Watch it raise and cry. I love it. I made a remark last night by being a hunter. I like to hunt. I've hunted since I was a little boy. I've hunted the world over. Africa, India, everywhere. Many of you know of Bud Branham in the Rainy Pass Lodge at Anchorage, Alaska, 16 planes flying in. That's my cousin. Come from a line of hunters. And we love it. It's right in us. We love to hunt. Now, I used to go up in Colorado. We're herding cattle up there for a long time on a ranch. And they're bringing them roundups in and out. Mr. Jeffries may be sitting right here this afternoon. He just lives right over here in Idaho now. and so he and I used to go up there together and hunt, hunt elk. I loved to hunt them. We had about 80 in a herd back there. And we just took one each year for what we needed and the herd built big. So therefore, Mr. Jeffrey's a real woodsman, he knowed how to hunt, he knowed all the ins and outs. I'd help salt the cattle and drive them in there and round them up and so forth. I know every angle back over on the continental divide, coming around where he crossed Berthead Pass, go down there, cross Rabbitear Pass. The Continental Divide comes in a panoramic, the Troublesome River feeds down this way, and the Hereford Association grazes this valley, and there's the East and West Forks. We'd go up the East Fork, tie horses and separate and come plumb down the West Fork, miles and miles and miles away. Maybe i see one another for several days. Hunting. One year I was up there hunting, I'd get way up this high as I could climb, step there of an evening when the sun goes down, and oh my, you talk about God. (laughs) I was up there one day, it was dry. The elk hadn't come down yet, not enough snow and stuff to bring them down. They're a wild critter. They stay high because they don't want to get down around civilization. It takes snow and stuff to drive them down sometimes. Then when I was up there walking around, looking and a tied my horse way down that morning, went come up around the timber line, making a big circle, coming down to what we call Lost Canyon, and down through that wing, no tenderfoot gets in there. It's too far for him. So way back in there, I was walking, and I had my rifle. And I was walking along there, and it come up a, a storm. You know how it is high in the mountains? It'll storm, and then snow, and then melt off, and the wind will blow, and the sun will shine, and all kinds of weather in October up there. It's changing all the time. So it hadn't had enough snow to drive them down. So I was near the timber line, and I got into a blowdown where a hurricane had twisted up the timber and blowed it together. And I was climbing through this, and it come a great, heavy storm. Raining, and I got back behind a tree and I stood like this behind the tree till the storm was over, and I standing there almost went to sleep. The winds blowing and things, and you could hear God speaking through the roar of them pines. I thought, Oh God, how great Thou art! After the storm was over, I stood there a little bit, kind of naughty. I almost fell over two or three times, got a little wet. So I been awfully hard blowing. I walked out behind. Glory to God! How wonderful it is to be up here, to be alone with God. Two days now I haven't seen nobody. You're so hundred, you're forty miles anyhow from a railroad. You're way away from automobiles, no gasoline, cigarettes, all stinking carry on of what's called civilization. I thought this is wonderful to be standing here. I watched the sun setting over here in Oregon, across that way, and there's great big pretty eye setting through there. I thought that's right. His eye is on the sparrow. And I know he watches me. You can see God anywhere if you'll just look around. He's all around you, everywhere. He's in flowers, nature, everywhere. I seen him there. Then I happened to look. I heard an old coyote hollering up on the hill there. His mate answered him down the bottom. Now you talk about deep calling to the deep. Hear that squall of the coyote or timber wolf? That just sets my soul aflame. I hear him over hollering. He lost his mate. She answered him way down in the bottom, and I thought, "Oh God, I got a mate too. I'll call, and he'll answer me one day." Amen. I stood there and I thought, oh, "God, there you are!" I heard the bugle over here. The elk herd—I was trying to catch up with big old male—let out that long whistle bugle like that. What the storm had separated the elk up high, and he had lost his herd, and he was calling for them. I thought, "Oh God, you live up here? That's right." Here you are. There he was in the elk herd. There he was in the call of the wolf. Then I happened to look. And where the sun come out and the evergreens had froze that cold wind, there was a rainbow across the canyon. I said, there he is in the rainbow. Amen. Amen. There he is. There's the covenant. He'll never destroy it again with water. He promised it. And a rainbow also is the revelations one where over the son of God and over the church, the seven golden candlesticks was a rainbow. He used to look upon a jasper and sardine stone, the first and the last. He that was, which is and shall come home.
3: Amen.
2: Everywhere you look, you can see God. If you just open up your eyes, look around. He's everywhere. I was standing there and all at once a little old pine squirrel. How many of you arguing people know what they are? He's a blue coat policeman of the woods. All noise and no squirrel. <laughs> he jumped up on there and went, Chat chat, chat, chatter chatter chat chat, chatter and I thought, What's the matter with you, little fellow? I'm not going to hurt you. So then the rainbow I looked at again and I said, Glory to God and around and around the tree I went, just as hard as I could go shouting. And he just looked at me and just chatter 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 I thought, Did I excite you? I'm worshiping your creator. You don't like that? Let me show you how it's done again. And around the tree, I went again. If they'd have thought they had somebody out there, out of the insane institution, yes, if somebody was, I didn't care. I was worshiping God. I saw Him. I heard Him everywhere. You can see Him if you'll just look around. He's real. And I was around and around that tree as hard as I could go and praising God and throwing up my hands and hollering hallelujah and stomping the ground and around and around the tree, and again like an insane person, but I was having a, letting off a lot of steam. <laughs> I was having a good time. I thought, oh, it's good to be here. Let's build three tabernacles. Let's just stay up here, a wonderful place to be, in the presence of God, in His universe. Watch Him in His universe. His sunset, His rainbow, the call of the Elf. Here, everywhere, there's God. And I thought, you little Snickle Fritz, why did you interrupt me from worshiping? And my God, I see Him sitting on this stump, a place where the tree would blow down. going Lord chatter, 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 little tail drawn up under Him like that. Chatter, 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 chatter. I thought, what's the matter with you? you? You think I'm acting funny? But I noticed him, he's cocking his little head down, his eye bugged out, looking down in that brush. He wasn't hollering at me at all. The wind had blowed an eagle down in there, one of the big old brown eagles in Colorado. And he was, that eagle would pick him up, you know, so he, he was afraid of that eagle. He wasn't paying attention to me, but he's afraid of that eagle. That big eagle jumped up there and I thought, my, now, I see you out there, God. I see you, here. you down there, you are hearing the call. See all around everywhere, see in the sky, see in the rainbow, see everywhere. But now, wonder if you could be in that eagle. Why did he interrupt my worship for? And I watched that eagle for a little bit. I thought, now I've seen his big gray eyes look at me and he look over at that little old pine squirrel and then look at me. And I admired him because he was brave. He wasn't afraid. I hate a coward. I hate somebody to not hate the person, but the attitude that they can stand in church and shout like the rest of them and go outside, and when a real showdown comes, you're ashamed to say you're a Pentecostal. You're ashamed to admit you got healed by divine healing. Oh, God can't use something like that. He wants soldiers. He wants somebody who can say, like Paul, in the way that's called heresy. That's the way I worship the God of our fathers. He wants soldiers. Backbone, not wishbone. He wants somebody that's got spunk enough and spirit enough to stand up. I said, yes, I see God in that eagle. He's not afraid. He's not a bit scared. I thought, I'll just see how afraid he is. I said, say, fella, you know I could shoot you? One of my voice rang out. He looked at me real close and rolled them big eyes. I began to see him feeling them feathers, you know, with his straightening them out. I thought, there you are. There you are. God give him two wings. To get away from trouble, get away from danger, and he's trusting those wings. Yes, yes. His God-given escape. Hallelujah. He feeling them wings is all in running order. All right. Someone said to me one time, "Brother Brown, makes you afraid you're making a mistake up there, and she's are afraid something's gonna happen." Oh no, as long as everything's in running order, it's all right. Don't worry. He's going to give the promise. This old eagle fooling his wings, messing them up and down like that. I thought, oh yeah, there you are. And I reached to grab my gun. He jumped and looked at me like that and kept his eye right on me. Now he knew by his ability that he could take those wings and get in that timber before I could get that side on him. He knew that. And he trusted it, so he wasn't afraid. Why should we be afraid? No matter what comes along. God give us the Holy Ghost. Lord. The always, even to the end of Amen. the world. What are we scared about? God calls you before the foundation of the world. Put your name on the Lamb's book of life. The Lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. Your name was put on the book before the foundation of the world. The Bible said so. Amen. The Bible said the Antichrist in the last days would deceive all that dwelt upon the earth whose names were not written in the Lamb's book of life since. The foundation of the world. Not the last revival, but the foundation of the world. There you are. So you know you're living above. You're in something. You've received the Holy Ghost. What are you scared of? Hey, man, God in his universe. I believe it, don't you? I watch that fellow there for a few minutes. That little chipmunk sitting there going, or little chipmunk, that's what we call them, home. They're actually little pine squirrel. He's going, "Chatter, chatter, 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 chatter. That eagle got enough of it. He just didn't want to fool with him anymore. So he just made a great big bounce like that, flopped his wings about two times, and he was above the timber. He just set his wings. He didn't flop anymore. He just set his wings, and every time the wind would come in, he'd rise higher. The wind would come in, he'd rise higher, not moving a feather. He just knew how to set his wings. I watched him. I dropped my gun. I looked at him. He got smaller, smaller, until he got come out of sight. I thought, oh God, that's it. That's it. It's not, join this one and take your papers from this and over here. Join this, join this, join that, run through one prayer line. Oral Come through, go through his, and go through another, and go through another. That's not it. It's just knowing how to set your wings of faith in the power of his resurrection. And when the Holy Ghost comes in, right up above it. Right above that chipmunk sitting there. Days of miracles is his place. No such a thing as divine healing that earthbound creature. We are eagles. Hallelujah. The Holy Ghost comes in and we ride out of the way of danger, plumb till it becomes so, we don't even hear it no more. Days of miracles is past. No such a thing as divine healing. It's mental telepathy. There's something wrong. Our church would do this. We got the biggest. We are the greatest ordinance. Just ride on above it. Just set your wings and say, Jesus Christ, I love you. I trust you. And hold this blessed old two-winged book here. and Just fly away. Hallelujah. For he's the same yesterday. Amen. Amen.
0: As we get towards the end of this episode, we'll end with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank thee, Lord, as we hear the words of Lehu. Here speaking, Father, of how you control the elements. And how, Father, you you say to the snow, be thou on the earth, and likewise to the small rain and the great rain of his strength. And so, Father, here we see him speaking also how you water the weary cloud, the thick cloud, and scattereth the bright cloud, and it's turned around by your counsel counsels. So Father, and we thank thee that they do whatsoever you command them upon the face of the earth. You cause them to come whether for correction or for your land or for mercy. And Father, even in our day, we've experienced this through the testimony of Brother Branham and how you told him, Lord, to speak to the storm. So we thank thee, Father, to know that that same power in the form of the Holy Spirit is with us today so that we may speak, Lord, situations into existence or out of existence in our lives too. We thank thee for your grace. Help us, Father, to live up to that expectation. In the name of thy Son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to Honey in the Rock, your daily dose of inspiration and encouragement. We hope to continue to earn your viewership throughout the year as we read the Bible from cover to cover. To make this a better listening experience for you, we would really appreciate your feedback. So please email us at honeyintherock2020 at gmail.com
4: my god